Welcome. This is the Tomahawk Show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Always tweet us at hashtag Tomahawk. Of course, our most recent show was our most popular show of all time. We had the amazing fast food draft. The ratings were through the roof. The ratings were over a million listeners. So make sure you go back and listen. Yeah, a million listeners per second. So make sure you go back and listen. It was uh, definitely a lot of fun. I think the people on Twitter made sure that your humble host, Joe Thomas, right here with Andrew Hawkins, I think I was definitely the one that won. I didn't check the I haven't checked the poll recently, but this might have been the first draft Joe won, and I still don't think you won. NFD, what were the results? The results are in. Joe got sixty seven percent of the votes. That's ridiculous. Got twenty three percent. And my undrafted team still got 10% of the votes. <laughs> you, co- you, you compared yeah, me to spin. an arena league team, you and heard, I got 10% of the votes. Did you hear that spin he just I did? heard it. I still got 10%. You lost. Dad. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Like, everything can't be positive. You took the L, bro. I did. Like, I can't we, believe Joe won. We, we I only, like Joe's better than Joe. We only drafted 10 teams, so there's lots of fast food out there that people are going to just like by chance that are going to fall into Danny's lap. Right. So, of course, he's going to get at least 10%. I think 10% was sort of the minimum. That was the basement oh, floor. If I would have been taking undrafted, it would have yeah. been at least 15 to 20%. But I am your humble co-host, and I would never talk about yeah, myself like that. <laughs> well, there was a lot of shenanigans surrounding Hawk, though. The tweet came in that said... Uh, you made fun of me and said I couldn't take Subway because they don't have a drive-thru. Yeah. But not all Starbucks have drive-thru. That uh, was that your second-round pick. Yeah. Hashtag void. All you need is one. Well, then why couldn't I have Subway? Actually, I wouldn't even care because the Starbucks pick, it was a true draft because what happens in a draft is you have a plan, things go haywire, and then you just deviate. Starbucks wasn't even on my board. Really? Oh, wow. Just, oh, my we, gosh. You that's a hot take. You picked second round. I thought yeah. it was the dumbest <laughs> pick. So then I went dumb pick, but I was like, okay, dumb pick to dumb pick. Starbucks will beat that one because, you know, I feel like everyone likes Starbucks, or that's all I hear about at least. They're worth $20 kajillion. And it threw my whole draft off. If I can go back, I wouldn't have made that pick. From the guy that doesn't even drink coffee, he went with Starbucks, and that screwed up his entire board, and he's the admitting it right now. And I think really your big mistake was drafting Raising Cane's. Because no. Now, granted, I've done a little bit of research. I am a food guy, and the <laughs> stuff looks really good, actually. But nobody's ever heard of it, so it's hard to win a popularity no, contest. no one's ever heard of it. You've never heard of it. I also had never heard of it, and I got destroyed on Twitter for so it. So did he. He's destroyed. <laughs> All of a sudden, he doesn't even see those yeah. tweets. People are like, what the hell you mean you never heard of Raising the Cane? But, but let's be honest. You got a lot of hate because you didn't know what Culver's was. I did get a lot and of And there was a lot of people on he Twitter did. that were excited about Culver's. And actually, they're building a Culver's like right down the road from my house, according to the great people on Twitter. Yeah. And I've accepted the challenge to take you boys to a beautiful, delicious meal at a fine Culver's I'm in going. Northeast Ohio. And, and I can't wait to take, to take you, you guys. But that's your fault, too. Because you described Culver's as some mom and pop shop in Wisconsin. Yes. That no one ever heard of him, like your uncle owned it or something. <laughs> like a chain. Come to find out. Very like rich. 200 nationwide. Uh, 200, there's like 2,000. Yeah, come to my uncle <laughs> for some cheese curds. Exactly. It was like yeah. McDonald's little sister. Yeah. Well, whatever. Well, you know, the way that I was eating this weekend reminds me that we're just coming off of a Memorial Day weekend, a great holiday to spend with yes. your family and your I hope, friends. I hope you do Memorial Day better than you do Mother's Day. <laughs> yes, I actually did. I, I rewarded my wife with a beautiful trip to Arizona. We went to Scottsdale uh, with some friends. We rented an Airbnb, and our friends actually have kids. So 
Uh, it was kind of a crazy four days. We had eight kids under the age of five, oh, and wow. my my five year old was the oldest, supposedly supposedly the responsible one, which was very frightening because uh, she was not responsible <laughs> enough at all. Too, so. Yeah, and uh, so it was it was a scary weekend. It was really hot. It was almost a hundred degrees every day, but we had a pool, so that was really nice. And it was a lot of fun. I, I got to cook breakfast every morning. I'm starting to become a little bit of a chef. Wow. I think the NFL actually will give us money to go back to school. So I need to go check in to see if they will send me back to culinary school with with that extra <laughs> money that we've negotiated in the CVA for no reason other than I want to be a killer breakfast and dinner chef oh, for my man. family. How great would that? that be? I think you would be an incredible chef. How fun would that be, though? Like if, if your dad was just like, he went to chef culinary school just so he could make sweet like pancakes in the morning <laughs> for you from scratch. That, that's what I want to do in retirement. I'm going to go to massage school. Is it called massage? <laughs> yeah. I want to Massotherapy? Yeah. No, I, I, I can't wait to hear where you, massage. I can't wait to hear where you I'm take work this in, like, one. Massage envy or something. <laughs> Can you imagine showing up at massage envy and like, <laughs> would you like a male or a female therapist? And you're like, I don't know, whatever, I don't care. And all of a sudden, Andrew's in the room in a robe. <laughs> like, up, I man? would turn around and walk right out and put your hands on the on the counter. I'll be in a second. Go ahead and take everything off. What kind of no, pressure, no. kind of pressure you like, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> hey, hey. This is not one of those keep your underwear on massages. All right. Make sure you get everything uh, everything undressed. Put Don't that towel over you. Glutes. It's my style. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, what did you guys do for Memorial Day? Uh, we actually didn't do much. So I travel so much that like holidays or any way to celebrate is me just sitting in my house, and my wife hates it. She hates that I'm such a homebody, mm. and I'm turning my kids into the same thing. Ooh. They're like, ooh, it's hot outside. Why don't we go outside? I'm like, yeah, it's such a great idea. Let's, there's air conditioning in here. <laughs> but for Memorial Day, I actually did cook breakfast. Nice. Yeah, I cooked breakfast. I cooked pancakes, grits. You eat grits? You I'm not a guy? grits guy. You know, when I got to college, it was the first time I really experienced grits. Yeah. And I, I wasn't a big fan. Yeah, I'm a grits guy. So it's plain. Grits, it's, if you grew up with pancakes, it. Pancakes, sausage, toast, and bacon. So what did you uh, put in your grits? Because that's the big thing about grits. Grits yeah. is like rice. It's just plain. There's nothing to it unless you add a bunch of stuff. I'm and I think that's real like traditional. Like your family did this, so that's the way you like them. Heavy pepper guy, heavy butter guy. Pepper and butter. Pepper and butter is like <laughs> I need it creamy and I need it spicy. I need a little I need a little kick to it. Yeah. But that was my Memorial Day. Actually, yeah. no. I had some friends come over. We actually did grill out. Oh, it sounds fun. My wife did the grilling. Yeah. My parents came in town late. Hey, surprise visit. Great. So we had like a, a fake Memorial Day celebration, what? which we didn't plan on. <laughs> what did your wife grill? Uh, burgers. Uh, we cook fries. Anytime I eat burgers, we're grilling out. Our yeah, fries, fries are good. Fries. Hit the hot dogs. We had baked beans, which is my oh, favorite. I like baked beans. Memorial Day food. Mm -hmm. Barbecue baked beans. Mm -hmm. Uh Broccoli salad. Oh, broccoli salad's good. Not a, not a vegetable. <laughs> not guy. a surprise. Um, what else? How's that six pack doing? It. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it is not looking good. I am, and this is the first time I'm actually announcing it, but I'm supposed to play in the All American Flag Football League. <clears throat> Whoa. Which is coming up in July. And I have oh, from boy. now to then to get into playing shape. Not, I've been trying. It's just, like I said, the travel schedule has been so crazy. I haven't been as consistent as I would like to. I don't want to go out there and give an inferior Andrew Hawkins product, so mm. I'm putting myself against the clock right now on the Tomahawk Show. So when's the first workout? Can Can the Tomahawk Show do a live podcast we, from your first workout? If we we're gonna do hard knocks, 
We're, We're going to do a hard knocks. Hard knocks. <laughs> American flag football league with Andrew Hawkins. <laughs> Training camp with Andrew Hawkins. Wow. <laughs> when you tear your hamstring off the bone in the first workout, that's going to be the end of the hard knocks because wow. I can't run and neither can Danny Boy. When I'm the first player to get cut in American <laughs> flag football league history, it's going to be ratings through the roof. Well, tell me more about this flag football league. Yeah, I wish I could. I'm like... I just need to get in shape. Well, didn't I, I saw something? The winning winning team gets like a million dollars or something. Whoa, you're going to be a millionaire? And how I'm come you didn't ask me to play on that team? So how it works is they have an amateur pool and a pro pool. So there's four pro teams. There's players like Michael Vick is playing in it. Ocho Cinco's in it. Justin Forsett. Those are like the three team captains. Who else? Um, Nate Robinson from the NBA, who was a college football oh, wow. player. He's playing it. I think Carlos yeah. Boozer's playing in it. Boy. Each team needs a crossover athlete on their team oh, okay. for the pro pool. Well. The amateur pool, they go across the country. The winner of that pool plays the winner of the, the pro pool. And the two teams, whoever wins the game, a million dollars, winner takes all. On the NFL Network this summer, so everyone will be able to watch and watch me embarrass myself if I don't get in the shape that I need to. Mm. Um, Who's your QB? My QB is, oh, you're going to like this one. Seneca Wallace is my cue. Oh, Sensei! Yeah. Friend oh, of the show. Friend, our friend of the show. We so love Seneca Wallace. I to, if I had to pick, I'm That's like, great. Michael Vick, Seneca. I'm yeah. going with the Tomahawk, yeah. but... Actually, Seneca would be a great flag football quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he, I have no idea what type of shape he's in. Maybe he's been on the Andrew Hawkins workout program, yeah. and not, uh, his shape is program. very round. Yeah. But, uh, you know, back when he was playing, he could move, he could throw real smart, real quick. I mean, he had everything you, you could want in a flag football quarterback. He was short, but in flag football, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you you don't have to throw it. over a big line. I was like, uh, I got recruited pretty hard by a couple of the teams. Did you really? Like, did you get a thinking. signing bonus? I did not get a signing bonus. I got an Instagram post. That's what I got. <laughs> is that, is that what it's come down thing, to? You get a million dollars. I'm gonna, we're going to split the mo- the million. I'll get it on the back end. <laughs> That's my thing. But we I need to that. do podcasts live from the game. So That'd be fun. Figure schedules, fellas. Where, where did you say the game is being played? Um, I think Dallas. Oh, it's going to be sure. hot, too. Man, you better start getting outside running, dude. <laughs> did, did that make you want to go there because Dallas was the site of your – uh, for, yeah. yeah, your TV show, right? That's where, I start, that's where well, it all starts. That's where it starts circle. and that's where it ends, you know? Full circle, exactly. Fairy tale story. <laughs> all right, what else we got? Oh, can we backtrack really quick, fast food? How about Chipotle gets a drive through oh, two funny. days, a, a day after we filmed the show? I think they heard that they were ineligible from our draft and were yeah. so upset about yeah. it. They were like, Millions like of fans time. outraged because they would have been the top pick, right? Everyone's exactly. they number one on the big board, right? Joe still would have went with Culver's, Chick-fil-A and then Culver's. But mine would have been Chipotle, McDonald's, and I don't like how he had all burger joints and got sixty-seven percent. But I'm, I, we got to move on from that. I the majority of fast food is burger joints. Yeah. But my number one pick was Chick Fil A, and it was loved by all. Yeah, that's, let's let's move on. But anyway, my Memorial Day was great. Thanks for asking. Guys. Yeah, I did. I, I put it out there, and then Hawk <laughs> just cut you off like usual. Yeah. What did you do on Memorial we Day? Went to my brother's house, and we had a lot of kids. There was about fifteen. Oh kids my goodness, aged gracious! Six and younger. That sounds awful. And he's got a huge <laughs> trampoline. Oh, and awesome. all the kids got on it. Oh my! And they put the hose on because, like you said, it was so hot. Yeah, that and my mom dangerous. was having a heart attack. What's the weight limit on this thing? But it was so fun. You were spraying the water uh, on the trampoline as the kids jumped on it. Oh yeah, that they sounds it. actually they put like the, six broken arms. He he <laughs> was spraying the water from his lawn chair, so he was like <laughs> sitting next to it, holding the hose over the over the the railing. 
<laughs> that's funny. But it was good. We went there in the afternoon, and then we stayed, and we watched the Cavs game, which that was game seven, yeah. which was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I assume you guys watched that. You guys were probably you guys were probably at Boston courtside, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. I was sitting I didn't get that in Mr. Kraft. <laughs> Me, Mr. Kraft, and Mick Mill were all courtside watching game seven. Yeah. Which is one of the topics we'll start off with. On the show today, we got the Cavs. We're going to talk some NFL news. We're going to do the Tomahawk Q&A per usual. And, of course, we've got to talk about the top 100 NFL list. Which it's everyone's favorite. We've been, we've been waiting. We've been waiting. I think today is finally the day. We'll let everyone know exactly where we sit as far as the uh, top players in the NFL go. Absolutely. But back to the Cavs game. Um, I'm, a, I'm becoming more and more of a LeBron fan every day. I was already a LeBron fan. If you deep dive into my Twitter since, like, 08, I've been on that train, which is when kind of I started my Twitter game. But as time goes on, I'm becoming like, I'm like fanboying. Can we back this up for a second? How, how early were you on Twitter? Because you got the name Hawk. Like, that yeah. is unbelievable. Were you the first person on Twitter? I wasn't the first person on Twitter. I think I'm <laughs> 09, early 09. I think like March of 09. I and mean, that's really Twitter. early in the game, right? I mean, it was early in the game. I didn't get Hawk back then, though. My, my, really? My Twitter name was actually Young Baby Hawk. <laughs> 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 That's embarrassing. I'm oh, no. shocked that you've said that on the air. Yeah. No, that was that was like till like recently. All right. That's like what I'm known as. Like people in Cincinnati call me Baby Hawk. They don't even no one calls me Hawk. I didn't grow up till I got here to Cleveland. I became Hawk when I got here. Cincinnati people see me like, you Baby got to Hawk. Drop how you the doing? Baby. Like literally still. Like the owner of the the Bengals still calls me Baby Hawk. Really? Yes. So at what point did you switch from Young baby Hawk. No, when I started making all that money, dude. Oh, that baby got grown real quick. And Hawk was just available? Oh. No, I actually had, you know, you get up, you got connections. So I called a guy who knew a guy, and boom, wow. I got Hawk on Twitter. Called a guy who knew a guy, boom, I got Hawk on Instagram. Called a guy who knew a guy, and I got Hawk on Facebook. So did I'm actually working on the Snapchat right now. A guy actually messaged me last week. Did you know a guy, though? The he guy knew, knew a guy. The guy knew me. At that point, when you know so many guys, the guys start knowing you, Dan. <laughs> Here's a question, though. Was there, like, some poor guy in western New York that was ad hoc? His, his, his Steve, name was Steve Hawk. His name is Steve Hawk. He was into Twitter. Like, he's like a techie. He's like a nerd. In 2006, <laughs> he was like, you know, I'm going to go with ad hoc as my handle. And all of a sudden, he woke up one morning. He probably had 75 followers. And he got a message from Twitter. Sorry, your ad hoc name has been stolen from you and given to somebody more popular and more famous. There was a guy. Do you feel bad about yourself? Absolutely not. There was Steve a Hawk guy. cries himself to sleep every night. Yeah, that's not, that's not my problem. Steve Hawk should. Clearly. I would be. I going to be when he sues your ass. who had Hawk on Twitter. He was actually using a different name. He was an illustrator. I believe it was at Hawkster is his name he uses. And he's like an incredible illustrator. Like he's incredible. He has he, real talent unlike us. He wasn't using at Hawk. And I would like, there's old tweets that I'm like, hey, you know. And he was just like, no, nah, leave me alone. And then all of a sudden I just had it. So I don't know how it went from his hands to somebody else's. <laughs> all I know is I have it now and I'm never letting it go. Can you imagine all those sad people that had ad hoc and they just yeah. got it stolen from eminent domain? You know, there's a lot of like court cases that go to the Supreme Court about the little old lady who's had the home for 100 years and like the <laughs> hotel needs it. They, they need her property to build like the massive Hilton. So they just go in and take it and give her like just supposedly just compensation. For branding purposes. You have done eminent domain to that poor little old lady in western no. New York and just stolen her Twitter handle. They weren't do doing it justice. <laughs> Look at all the justice it gets now. I'm sure AJ Hawk looks at my Twitter name and is like, this 
D bag. <laughs> because his, his name is actually Hawk. His name is actually Hawk. <laughs> Dude, it was pretty funny. I actually went on a national radio show. I don't remember if it was Lebertard or one of these other ones. And I think it was the, um, what was it? Or maybe it was an XM show or something. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know what you're But the say. story is, how would you know what it is? Because I think I was paying attention. Don Patrick, the Don Patrick show. Oh, yeah, it was Dan Patrick. Don. You Dan. called him Don. That That's actually, you, you oh, owe him one. My bad. Yeah, Dan. Don, Don Patrick. I, I was on the Don Patrick show. It'd be funny. And they made a mistake. Don Patrick show. Yeah, the Don, like the Don, <laughs> like a mafia Don. <laughs> Uh, but so he, he's like, Oh, your, your podcast, the Tomahawk show with you and AJ Hawk is doing really well. I'm like, no, no, I'm not with AJ Hawk. I'm with Andrew Hawkins. Now he does have the ad hoc Twitter handle because he stole it from that little old lady in Western New York. Yeah. Lady get with it. All right. Let's get back to Hawk's love for LeBron. Yeah. 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 It's it's, it's almost like Joe's love for miles. Yeah. It might be times two miles. I mean, when you watch what he's doing, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win the MVP. And then I'm on Twitter. People are coming at me because I'm doing the the Michael and the LeBron tweets. And it's fun. It's sports. It's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make outrageous topics and let people debate about them on social media. So people are killing me. But I don't think there's anybody who could, and no offense to the Cavs team, because I love I love the supporting cast as well. Mm, what do you love about them? Um, I love their, <laughs> their hope- hopelessness. I love that they play with LeBron. <laughs> I love their teammates. They're so, so good at celebrating when LeBron scores. <laughs> yes. Did you see the SNL skit? Yes. That oh, was so gosh, funny. Bro. I've watched that maybe 150 <laughs> times. But long story short, I don't think there's another player who could have taken this team to the finals. And for the way LeBron shows up in the big moments, for people to say he's not clutch and just to watch him over his career – it's like one of those things where you'll look back and be like, oh, what the hell were we talking about? Like, how was this dude not clutch? He was doing this with this amount of talent and this level, like scoring 40-point games and, and triple doubles, like 48 minutes back-to-back. That's crazy. That's it, like a crazy thing to me. In his 15th season, too. Yeah, he's like 42. He's Easy still, now. We're the same age. I know. <laughs> you can't even walk up steps. Yeah, bro. man, that's true. I, I can't. I take the elevator. Dunking on 21-year-olds. <laughs> it took you 36 minutes uh, to get from downstairs yeah, that's true. up to this studio. I'm pretty slow. But That's funny. Yeah, big big LeBron fan. Big fan of what the Cavs are doing. Obviously, my son is like a diehard. He wears literally the entire uniform, <laughs> puts the black tights on, black LeBron shoes, full uniform, and does <laughs> every shot that the Cavs do. While the game is going on, <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. awesome. I remember like, those days, top to bottom, exactly. Yeah, I, I love LeBron, and I'm I'm with you on that. Like the more I watch him, the more I'm just amazed at what he's been able to do. That team yeah. that he's playing with, I mean, let's just be honest, it's not stacked like the Warriors or the Celtics right. or the Rockets. I mean, no offense to those other guys, but they're other guys. Yeah, no, and I- it's LeBron going one on one every single play. And I don't feel bad about saying that because I was another guy. Yeah. I'm one of, my my and if, that's what I mean. Like the equivalent to me are the players that LeBron is playing <laughs> with. <laughs> so I don't feel bad in saying that. That's okay. I just know if we had a team full of me's, you know, that's how you get to one of fifteen. Our humble co host, Andrew Hawkins. That's right. You know <laughs> that's that, humility right I there. Know. That's realism. I like that. Mark that one down. First attempt at humility guy. by Andrew Hawkins. <laughs> Not this guy who thinks he is like I'm like the LeBron version of the Okay, Joe. So what, what have been Le- what are LeBron's stats since you hugged him? Because I think ever since it was the, the magic hug. The I, magic I, I like hug, where you're going with this. <laughs> this dude has turned into a different animal. Dude, that's a like great he point. like took your energy from you, <laughs> like any amount of energy you had left in your NFL. I definitely career, don't have any. And put it on the basketball court. That's a great point. 
so my take on LeBron is he is so efficient on offense. Like there's a lot of good one-on-one players in the NBA, but his ability to get the ball, go one-on-one and end up with an efficient shot on that offensive series is beyond amazing. And it's the best ever because just being good at one-on-one basketball would not be able to will that team that they have to the finals again. Right. Like they like we, we saw it even uh, James Harden great one-on-one player great player overall but he was not able to will his team to wins like LeBron is because LeBron's so big and he can get to the hoop and score when he's not draining it from the outside. Exactly. I mean the Rockets missed 27 straight three-pointers. Just if they took 10 of those 27 right. possessions and had somebody to be able to go to the bucket and score two the way LeBron is smart enough to understand that, yep. they would have won that game and the Golden State Warriors wouldn't yep. be in the championship. Yep. But they were just jacking up threes because yep. that's what they think they had to do and yep. it. It cost them in the long run. Mm-hmm. Who would you say was the second best player on the Cavs? Right now? Yes. In the Probably JR. JR. But he's so Kevin streaky. Love. Yeah. It depends on what game. Like Somebody to... steps up every game. Somebody new. I agree. Jeff Green last game. Uncle Jeff, man. I... I do love to support in Cavs. Yeah. To, to me, here, here's my take on on Kevin Love. Good offensively, but but he can't do it himself on offense. Like he kind of has to get the ball in the right spot. You had to kind of get him the ball, get it cleared out, get the right pick and rolls, and then he can kind of work his like mid post move kind of action. And yeah. he's a pretty good shooter, but he's a liability on defense. I think Jr. is probably a better player for that team, but he's so streaky. Like, he'll go drain, like, four threes in a row, and then he'll keep jacking them up and miss 15 in a row. See, that's the thing about this team. Like, when I look at the Warriors. He's got no conscience. They're stacked, right? The Warriors are stacked. This team is like, it's like watching a television show to me. I don't even think of them as players. It's like, they're like characters. So I, like, love J.R. Smith's character. Yeah. Who comes in. I mean, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, you never know who's going to They got step personality. Up. And the personalities around yeah, him make yeah. it really, really It was fun interesting. The game that I went to last week or week before that, Kyle Korver had two blocks. And it was very apparent that Brad Stevens' uh, game plan was when Kyle Korver's in the game, <laughs> give his man the ball and make him go one-on-one because they didn't think he could stop anybody. And he had two big blocks, and the crowd was all excited. It was like that kid that's like your 15th man yeah. that gets in the game and makes it like a layup at the end of the game and the crowd is so happy for him that it. was like when Kyle Korver was playing defense and getting two blocks so um he's their next best scorer but he can't dribble and he can't play defense he's like he's like he's like you have to give like, him the ball he's like the spot it up Delhi. yeah <laughs> exactly couldn't shoot yeah, he right. was a scrapper he that's, right. D and he, that's a great point he can Delhi dribble and Korver were the same person uh, it would be the best <laughs> ever be working on four NBA championships in a row <laughs> That's really funny. So that was interesting to me that you think JR is the best. So if you got one shot to win the game, it's got to be a three, and LeBron can't take it. You want it to be JR? Well, I want Corver to take it. Corver okay. is clearly a pure shooter, but if yeah. you don't get him the ball when he spotted up, he can't make it because he can't dribble and. He can't make his own plays at all if he can't dribble. And, he, and he's not a big guy like Kevin Durant that can just drain the ball with somebody in his face. He's got a quick release, but it's not like he's getting the ball, making a couple of pump fakes, faking like he's going to the hoop and hitting a fadeaway. Like you get him the ball, and he's throwing it up as fast as he possibly can before it gets stolen or blocked. So you're going JR, would you want to take the shot? I'm saying if LeBron's not taking the shot, 
the ball should be in JR's hands or, or he should be the one coming off of a screen to get the ball because he can shoot, but he can also take it to the hoop and he can yeah. still kind of create. Corver can't do any of those things. I'm actually going with Jeff Green. Well, based on uh, what happened in the last game, yeah. He has like that old man over touch time. To him. Like he's like, I don't know. You know how like in, in the NFL, like there might be a, a kid who is the best, a, a best wide receiver as far as ability goes, but if it's third down in the fourth quarter and you need a first down, you're going to Miles Austin. Instead Big moment, of, Miles. Instead of JG, who is a yeah. freak and probably the most athletic receiver in the NFL. You're going to go to Miles Austin because it's just a, a different level of accountability at that stage of their careers. That's Jeff Green for me. So with that shot, I'm going with Jeff because I All feel right. like he understands it a little bit That's more. That's fair. That's my take. That's fair. Danny Boy, what, what's your Am take? I picking from who's left? No, I, no, I, you I can pick. Kevin Love. Yeah, no. I think Kevin Love is very good at threes, but, I mean, I would take Corver then if you guys took your guys. Well, no so what Kevin are you Love. taking? I'm confused. <laughs> Kevin Love is Everybody's there. available except Kevin's <laughs> got a concussion, I guess, and he's, he's well, out I'm going Corver. If I need one three to win the game, Corver. Okay. <laughs> he said, because I would take Kevin Love. Well, good, because nobody else took him. Dan. All right, hang on, Dan. We're not talking about the three-point contest in the All-Star game. <laughs> We're talking about within the flow of the end-of-the-game situation, yeah. you're drawing up a play for Corver. They they put four guys on LeBron. Yeah, LeBron drives to the hole, kicks it out to Corver. So so you're, you're, you're drawing up a play for Corver. You're getting Corver in the game. Yeah, if it's got to be a three, Kyle Corver. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I can't argue. Fair it. enough. I mean, you're saying you're talking about driving to the hole with J.R. Smith. You just need a Well, I didn't know it had to be a three, but even still, Anything. because be if both. it has to be a three, then they're going to play defense a little bit differently. They're going to be taking away the we three. We are going way too far down this. Yeah. Uh, when's the last time we played <laughs> basketball? When we were 14. I mean, let's right. get some NBA Finals predictions in. We want to like get it. Hawk on record. He has already predicted that the New England Patriots will win the NBA championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an easy one, to be honest. We got. I'm going to go with. The Cavs, <laughs> and this is a completely homer. I'm not even – this is 100% picking with my heart. I'm going the Cavs in seven because there's no way that the Cavs – there's no way the Warriors are going to lose in less than seven games. Really? And I don't think so. I think they're too talented because I think LeBron is the best player in the league. But then you go player number two is in this series probably Steph Curry – yeah, Number Durant. three is probably Kevin Durant. Number four is probably Clay Thompson. <laughs> he was killing it in that last game. Clay Thompson was Number unconscious. F- the, the fifth best player in the series Draymond is probably Green. Draymond Green. Um, the sixth, I would say probably Kevin Love overall. Kevin Love, um, who's left? Livingston will probably be, I mean. He's a pretty good player. That's what I mean. Iguodala's healthy. So they have the next four best players besides LeBron. That's just a lot of – it's going to take everything for us to beat the team. So I think the Cavs in seven. I think what needs to happen – I'd like to see the Cavs win in seven. But I think what needs to happen is the Cavs need to play slow, limit the possessions, get the ball down the court, give it to LeBron, yeah. let him go one-on-one for 24 seconds every single time, <laughs> and then somehow play as good a defense as you can. Because if you saw that game seven, like when it, when it got away from the Rockets was when they were missing threes and they were letting the Warriors transition down the field, mm-hmm. down, down the field, down the court in fast break offense, get quick shots. That's not good for anybody playing the Warriors. Right. You got to be able to somehow stop the transition game, get your guys back, play defense, make them set up some type of an offense, and that gives yourself a chance. But if they're just running down, throwing the ball to Clay Thompson in the corners, it's over. I want LeBron not to foul for the first three quarters, first three and a half quarters. Why? Because halfway through the fourth, 
I want Kevin Durant to come to the leg to the lane. And I want LeBron to just put a forearm in his chest. And then I want Steph <laughs> Curry crumble. to come down. And I want him to hack him on top of his head. And I want them to feel what 260 pounds at six foot eight feels like coming through the lane and let them know, like, that's two. I got four more to give with six minutes left. You make the decision of what you want to do for the rest of this game. That's what I want. That's all. I so all three of those guys are going to stand five feet beyond the three point arc and hit fadeaway threes, and you're going to lose by twenty. Like <laughs> yeah, but okay. So that's that's our NBA talk for the so day. So we we got to finish with. I'm going to get though. on record though and just say Cavs and six. Cavs okay. and six. I like it. Cavs and six. So the new Browns cornerback Demarius Randall says, if the Cavs win the title, he'll buy everyone who retweets that tweet. A Cavs jersey. So obviously I haven't retweeted it yet, but I'm about to as soon as I get I'm out of the studio because I'm getting my jersey. But it's funny. He's a player that just came from Green Bay. He's obviously uh, an NBA fan like a lot of – He's a Wisconsin guy. He's, well, I don't know if he's a Wisconsin guy, <laughs> but he lived in Wisconsin when he was playing for the Packers. Uh, but it is funny that he's like kind of trolling C- – Cavs and Browns fans on the team that he just got to. He clearly doesn't get how Cleveland works. Yeah, not yet. We need to bring him on the Tomahawk yeah. show and set him straight. A little, media, little Tomahawk media trading from my man DR. Yeah. How so, many tweets does it have? Last time he checked, two hundred twenty-six thousand. So he's going. So you figured jerseys are going for about a hundred dollars. So he's going to have to pay twenty-two point six million dollars. <laughs> To people who retweeted and give him their jerseys. So I think it's safe to say he's not a man of his word if the Cavs win, <laughs> because I've seen his rookie deal and it doesn't have uh, forty-four million on it. Twenty-two million dollars. <laughs> because as we all know, half your money goes to taxes when yes. you're in that Uncle high tax Sam. bracket. When you go to the league, Uncle Sam. Goes uh, yeah, he he gets half. Well, he said it was going to be one of those authentic jerseys. It could be one of those T-shirt jerseys, you know. <laughs> Even still, that's like so. You th- cut it in half. And 30, 50 bucks. 30 bucks? The NFL is going to be very happy. So he's at the he, he's going to buy eight million in T-shirts now. <laughs> I mean, he might as well buy a T-shirt company and have them print LeBron T-shirts. Three percent of it back if that helps, because he gets his revenue cut from the NFLPA <laughs> of his own jersey. He'll be the leading jersey seller, and he'll get the three percent per jersey. Back. No, no, Wait, no. He's, he's, he's not giving his jersey. He's buying a Cavs jersey. Oh, he's not. He he's not buying Demarius Randall. No, 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 no. no. There's not that many people that want Demarius Randall jerseys. Oh man, he wants a Cavs jersey. He wants to buy everyone LeBron jerseys, oh. or, or maybe he's gonna get Joe a Kyle Corver jersey. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna get me a J.R. Smith. Hey, me and J.R. were were, uh, we were, we're neighbors. Randall jersey. If they win, he doesn't have to honor anybody else's. Just get me a Demarius Randall jersey, and we'll call it even. I'll wear a yeah. Demarius Randall jersey. No. Okay. I'll wear a Demarius Randall jersey. I'll buy it f- for all three of us if he even buys 100 Cavs jerseys if the Cavs win. <laughs> we'll put the bar low there. That's going to be the classic uh, post and Twitter delete. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're 100 days away from NFL kickoff, which means we're in the period of the NFL season where absolutely nothing is going on. Nothing so matters. now we need to give our bold predictions for the 2018 NFL season. Bold predictions. Who's going to start us off? Because I have nothing. Here's my bold prediction. I'm going to predict that. It's going to be the easy one. I can I can predict what Joe's about to predict. Bill Belichick <laughs> and Tom Brady are about to go through a really nasty divorce. Wow. They're going to lose three games in a row midway through the season. Finish 14, and, 13 and 3. <laughs> and, and things are going to implode. And one of those two guys is going to put their foot down and tell the owner, it's them or me. That's my first bold prediction. Who would like to back that one up? Go I'm going to double down on your prediction. <laughs> and I'm going to say that my bold prediction is 
Tom Brady is going to retire after next year. That's my bold prediction. Okay. I think Tom and Gronkowski will retire together. Really? Yes. All That's right. my bold prediction. That's bold. Mine is that the Tomahawk Show will continue to be the number one <laughs> podcast in the history of podcasts. Danny, we said bold. That's bold. not bold. That's, that's, that's a gimme. That's on the reg, mm-hmm. is what I like to call mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so we need three predictions. So my next prediction is the Cleveland Browns are going to win more, equal to, or more than eight games mm. in this season. I like that. I think we're on the same page there. But I can't let you have an extra prediction than me. So I'm going to do another one, and I'm going to say that Jimmy G – and the San Francisco 49ers are going to win 12-plus games next year. Mm. Danny Boy, he, he gave up. You, I, well, I'm not bold enough. Yeah, you aren't bold. Yeah. What are you going to predict, that the sun is going to come up tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right. What else we got? We- so this is a fun one, and I know this was at the top of Andrew's list because – he loves talking about his time with the Patriots and reminding everybody about those glorious four days. Before you get into this, <laughs> here's a little Andrew Hawkins fun fact for you. You played for the Patriots. I played for the New England Patriots. <laughs> Continue, Joe. I didn't do that <laughs> Too easy. That's fabulous. So, anyways, the 49ers have a defensive end by the name of Cassius Marsh, and he played a little while for the Patriots last season. Longer think- or shorter than me? He was longer because he played during the preseason yeah, and got, the regular season. He got in games. Okay. Continue. Yeah, I think he, he was in games. <laughs> he was actually a member of the franchise. Uh, so, anyways, he came out and uh, he was honest. You know, one of the things that NFL fans hate the most from players is when they're honest. Yeah, and they say, like, you know what? Being, being a Patriot wasn't a lot of fun, you know? <laughs> I've played a lot of places for great coaches, for Super Bowl winning coaches, and they had fun. You know, they worked hard, but they were able to have fun and have laughs. And there wasn't a lot of laughs. There wasn't a lot of fun with the Patriots. Uh, Bill Bill Parcells nicknamed Bill Belichick Doom when he was on his staff for the, with the Giants in, Parcells, uh, in the 80s. If Parcells <laughs> nicknamed you right. Doom. Because that's Bill Belichick's personality around football. Everything is misery. He makes everyone around him miserable. He makes the players' days miserable. He makes the coaches miserable. He thinks of every way to ruin your life. Oh, wow, Joe. But they win, so everyone accepts it, right? Right. He got run out of Cleveland. Now, granted, they moved to Baltimore, but he got run out of Cleveland because people just couldn't put up with him. And when you're not winning, they don't want to be around somebody that acts like the world is ending based on every little thing. Did he take Cleveland to the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. One year? Yeah. And then, and then the next year. The well, team moved in 95. Yeah. The next year they started out terribly. So he had like two bad years. Actually, the team started off good in 95. Was it? It was like oh a two and one, three <laughs> and oh. But then Man. the move was announced and it just you know fell apart. Right. Yeah. It tanked. But anyways, he's an exceptional coach. But people have a hard time putting up with that if you're not winning. And even when you're winning – when guys leave, they're going to be honest, and they're going to say, hey, it was awful. It was not fun. Now, I will say – Fun is, subje- is subjective. It, de- it depends on how important your career is to being fun, if yeah. that makes sense. Right. You know, people always say, pick a career that you love so that work will – it'll never feel like you worked a day in your life, right? Uh-huh. Well, a lot of people are like, hey, football. I love football, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. But then they run into like a regime – like Belichick's where he's taking the fun out. He's specifically extracted the fun from everything you do so that there's no laughter and no distraction whatsoever from like your specific job. And then you never look at your 
friends' papers and enjoy whatever they're doing. You just look down your narrow tunnel vision, which is a very militaristic philosophy. That's really where Bill Belichick kind of got his philosophy from was the military. I think he his Navy. dad coached at like Navy for mm-hmm. a long time. And so he has that like military background and he does a lot of reading on military. So he realizes that, you know, the most efficient groups of people working together were always in the military throughout history. And this is how they ran their organizations yeah. and stuff. So I would say if you talk to a lot of people in the military, they'd probably say, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun. But I had a lot of good experiences and made a lot of good friends, went through tough times, but it made me a better person. And I, I imagine if you ask Cassius Marsh, he would probably say the same thing. The problem is, though, when, when you play for – he played for Pete Carroll in Seattle, and now he's in the San Francisco with um, our man Kyle Shanahan. You see that there's more than one way to do things. And you see that you can work hard, you can have success – but you can also enjoy the process for more than just winning, right? Right. Which right. is what the Patriots – basically the argument forever from Patriots fans and Patriots players is, well, we win, so that's the only thing that's important. Yeah. But you can understand where, where Cassius is coming from, and, and he's honest, and the fans have <laughs> annihilated him for it. Well, look, I, I, I get both sides of it. Now, I'll say this. I wasn't a at-work fun guy. Looking back, football was really, really fun. When I was in there, it felt like lives were at stake. Well, certainly they are because your livelihood is at stake based on what right. I do and your your kids' livelihood. You got a mortgage to pay. You got you know the exactly. expensive private school that you send all your kids to. Your your five million dollar house that that taxes aren't and free on just, that thing. That's just the poor. And it, and the, yeah, right. And that's the poor. <laughs> and if if that crumbles down, how are you going to go home to your wife and tell her I just got cut? We can't afford our mortgage. We got to move the kids out of the school. I mean, you're changing lives, so it is important. Let's exactly. not act like it's not important. I've had coaches who I don't want to say didn't like me, but they learned pretty quickly that I didn't joke around on the playing field. Like, they would try to lighten the mood up a little bit, and I wasn't that guy. Like, no, this isn't a joke. This isn't a game to me. Leave me alone until after we're done with our job. So I say that to say, had I gone to New England at a different point in my career, I feel like for myself it would have been a match made in heaven. It would have been super pressure. I get that. But I would put that pressure on myself anyway. Like, I honestly, probably until 2015 was the first year that I'm like, oh, man, I really am an NFL player. Like, because that whole time I would just think to myself, like, they're going to find me out. If I don't, if I make one bad play, they're going to get rid of me. And I didn't get comfortable. Like, I'm talking about in a practice from day to day. Like, until probably halfway through the 2015 season or after I got my concussions and I finished it. It kind of put it in perspective for me. But before that, every practice felt like a game. That's how much stress, anxiety, pressure I would put on myself that I would, like, lose sleep over practice because I felt like one play wrong and it would, everything was going to come crashing down. That is how New England is. That's the pressure they want you to put on themselves. That's the kind of effort they want you to give every day. And if you have a collection of guys, 50-plus guys, that do it that way, you're probably going to be pretty good, right? I say that to say some people like that. Let me jump here real quick and say something. It's interesting what you just said to me because I've talked to a lot of great players, not only in football, but people that were great at their job Mm -hmm. outside of just football. And what you said about feeling like you were going to be exposed, 
is yeah. something that I've felt a lot during my career. Yeah. That a lot of other great players that I've talked to have felt. And it's interesting because that a lot of times becomes the driving motivator behind your success. And it's pretty amazing how many successful people have that feeling deep down inside like, I'm fooling people. I'm really not as good as everyone thinks I am. So I really need to work extra hard so that I'm not exposed at any one moment. Like that was the feeling that I had for probably my first eight years of my career. Like, oh man, they think I'm a pro bowler, but like (laughs) one time I give up one sack and all of a sudden I'm going to be exposed and they're going to realize I'm not really as good as everyone thinks I am. And it's interesting how that drives you. Um, but anyways, go ahead. I, I'm no. sorry to cut you off, but no, it's, it's fascinating. And I, and I think, <clears throat> to me, not that I'm going to put words into Cassius Marsh's mouth, but I don't think that's necessarily what he's talking about. Right. But I'll, I'll let you finish your point, wow. and then I'll come back to mine. So I don't think that's what he's talking about, but there does come a time in your career where it's like it's like a weird balance because I'll be hard, that hard on myself, but for somebody who doesn't see that kind of hard work, that determination – and doesn't value it, I also have a hard line there, too. Like, mother effer, you see me out here working. Like, there's certain things you don't got to tell me. Like, I wasn't a guy. People could yell at me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm not a guy you have to yell at. Because, honestly, if you tell me something one time, it'll be fixed. You won't ever have to worry about it ever again. And as you know, there is coaches out there who just yell for the sake of yelling or talk to you bad for the sake of talking to you bad because they think that's a good way to coach. When the act- From my perspective as a player – Everybody needs different things, right? So there's some of that for, to what Cassius is talking about. Mm-hmm. That when you go to New England, you're adapting to the way they do things. Mm-hmm. And it's a leverage thing. Like if I was uh, Tom Brady, who probably has felt like he's outgrown that leverage, like, okay, mm-hmm. now you need me just as much as I need you. I'm not trying to – don't belittle me anymore. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me a certain way. Right. Like There's certain things I'm not going to put up with. But when you're coming in from a guy who's coming – from a bad team and probably your career is going to take off because you're going to win 13 games and people are going to talk about you the way they had never have. And you're probably going to get more endorsement deals than ever. And the other 31 teams who just look to pick off your players because you're the best are probably now going to have a newfound value for you. Yeah. You got to kind of fall in line. And if you don't fall in line with that, this isn't the place for you. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just more than anything Mm -hmm. where he's at in his career and where the Patriots are. It just ain't meshing because mm-hmm. Bill ain't changing for nobody. Yeah. I'm here to get W's. If you ain't about W's, right. if anything else matters to you outside of winning, if you want to have yeah. a conversation with me about anything other than football, this isn't the place for you. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of friends that have played for the Patriots. I've talked to a lot of guys that spent their whole career there. <clears throat> and I think, generally speaking, the issue that those people have, if they have an issue, I'm not saying everyone like complains and bitches right. and moans about their time in the Patriots, but overwhelmingly – People always say, I accepted it because we were good and we won. But the the things that the players that I talked to disliked the most, it wasn't, you know, how hard they made you practice or how much they made you study or like the unrelenting discipline and, and the lack of flexibility. Like there's a 24 inch snowstorm and you show up one minute late in the morning for the team meeting and he sends you home. Yeah. That's not even what they're talking about. Like a lot of people on the outside would see that and say, oh, that's unreasonable. But Bill has a way of doing things that says we treat everybody the same way and we expect you to be here at the start of the meeting. And I don't care what the excuses are because there's no excuses allowed. Personally, I love that. And I think that's not when when people complain about the Patriots. 
I think the fans think it's those things like, oh, so what? They make you guys work hard. They make you study a lot of film. They, they coach you hard. They make you practice hard. They expect you to show up on time. Yeah, I do that for 30000 a year in my job. Yeah. I think overwhelmingly fans think that that's what players like this are talking about. But I think what they're talking about is how the Patriots organization and, and Bill Belichick specifically belittles the players to kind of put them in their place and make them subordinates and the mind games that they play with the players to get the most out of them. Yeah. Now, I've never played for him, so what do I know? But I have played for a lot of coaches. I've that, played for him. Right, you did, so maybe yeah. you can, you can go ahead and tell us. I don't know us. if you noticed or not, but I played but, for the Patriots. So I've, I've, continue. I've had <laughs> – there's my humble co-host. <laughs> I've had a number of coaches that were with the Patriots and then came to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and the thing that I hated the most was the mind games. It was – telling you you had a bad practice when you know darn well you had a good practice because they're kind of trying to motivate you for the next practice right calling you out in the team meeting for something you did on the practice field that's unrelated to football like for instance when we had one of the patriots head coaches the offensive linemen were supposed to stand on the sideline next to their coach during practice mm-hmm. for whatever reason i don't know but it was like a discipline thing well, as a player, I wanted to visualize every snap of the practice. So I would kind of stand a little bit more away from him so I could be sort of behind the left tackle so I could visualize every snap he took so I could actually get an extra rep without actually being out on the field. Yeah. And he would call you out in the team meeting in front of everybody for not being a team player when what you were actually doing was trying to be better at your job to be a better team player overall. Yeah. But it was those constant mind games that made you walk on eggshells in the building. Yeah. And as, as, as a, an athlete, I'm the type of guy that if I sucked, I want you to tell me that I sucked. How I sucked and how I can improve it. If I was good, you don't have to say anything to me, but if I did something right, yeah. don't tell me that it was wrong just because you're trying to motivate me. And I think it was, it's those mind games that people get fed up with that I think B- Brady's kind of fed up with and that's why he's kind of staying away from OTAs right now. And overwhelmingly, that's the complaint that I hear from guys that go through that building. Now, what's yeah. your take? You've no, actually been there. I think you're exactly right. But I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's that much of a problem, I guess, is my take. Because I think a lot of guys need that. You got a lot of guys need to understand how important this is. A lot of guys like the coaches that I've ever had problems with. And honestly, there's probably of the 100 plus coaches that I've played for, there's probably maybe one. Because in my mind, he didn't understand how important this shit was to me. He didn't understand how how much what he did affected the lives of my family, the players around me, families, our livelihood. And he was just going on a whim on shit that it takes a lot of focus and attention and and time that needs to be put into it that I didn't feel like he was putting into it. Because he was so worried about how he looked as opposed to getting the result that it made the rest of us look bad. That's the only time I've ever been pissed off with how a coach does things. And so with the New England way, Bill Belichick makes sure his players understand that. He makes sure his coaches understand that. He makes sure his lunch ladies understand that. His equipment staff, his uh, dietitians, I don't care. Everybody understands how all of our asses are tied together, right? So if you want to come in and you want us to, to kiss your butt and you want to feel all fluffy inside and you want to be able to laugh and joke, this isn't the place for you. I don't need all 1,800 players in the league to be a New England Patriot. I need to find the 53 that understand what the hell I'm doing and why I'm doing it 
and I can win a championship. So I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. What I'm saying is I don't see that much of a problem with it. Well, clearly they haven't had much of a problem with it because he's the best coach of all time and the most successful coach. Goat. And for some reason they find 53 people to show up every fall to their game. So obviously the, the paycheck is higher than the complaining. But it is interesting just to hear the complaining. But, hey, as NFL players, we always find something to complain We're about. We're always complain about something. <laughs> what happens with the older guys, though, like the Tom Brady's, or you've seen guys who go through and then all of a sudden it goes sour after all the yeah. success. Because I always equate them to, like, the girlfriend who wants the bad boy. <laughs> they chase the bad boy, and they're like, oh, I want to change him. I'm going to change him. And then after, like, 10 years, he's still doing the same bull he was doing 10 years ago. And then you get frustrated because you couldn't change him. So I feel like players go in there, and mm-hmm. it's like they know all the information we're just spitting mm-hmm. out now. And they feel like, oh, but I've done this much for him. And I've, I've won Super Bowls, or I've, I've played in Pro Bowls, or I've, been, I've done everything they've asked. I've taken the pay cuts time and time again. And they think eventually they're going to get, and they just keep moving the finish line on it. Yep. Like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Like, when you're done, when you're done. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get the next person to do what you do because I'll find somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that's where a lot of the relationships go bad over time. with the new Well, I think Patriots. that's what you're seeing right now with Brady. He's like... Dude, look what I've done for this organization. You yeah. can count on me to show up and give my best. Yeah. Stop belittling me. Stop hassling me about every little thing that I do. Stop hassling me about my trainer that does my TB12 massage and uh, all this this diet program and everything. This is what works for me. Mm-hmm. It may not work for you, but it's worked for me for a long time. So just leave it alone. Yeah, and you know, Bill Belichick I'm, is like, and Bill's like, no. I see Jimmy Garoppolo. He could be the. Yeah, yeah right. I got another fifteen years right here. And Tom was like, what, what do you mean you got another fifteen years? I thought we had something special. Oh man, would Brady be at OTAs right now if Garoppolo was still on the team? I don't think so. Probably. <laughs> I think so. You think so? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. I don't think so because he would have even more of a reason to stay away and show his frustration. Because in the fall, I, I believe him and his agent were the ones that said we need to get rid of Garoppolo because I'm about to get Drew Bledsoed because Belichick is going to go with the younger guy and he's kind of pissed off at me and there's this relationship fraying going on. But what I'm saying, like, so if, if Jimmy's on the team, what benefit does it give Tom not to be there? Is he uh, holding out? Because yeah. that's what Bill Belichick wants you to do. Yeah. He be- wants you to get – because. Drew Bledsoe. Well, yeah, because Tom knows that his, his value still is as high as ever. He could but, sign tomorrow for forty million with whatever team he wants. Now, granted, he's he doesn't want to. He though. doesn't need the money. It's not a money situation for him. But he needs to make a point. And how does he make a point that he's pissed off at Belichick, other than just not showing up at OTAs? But he couldn't just say that. No, I don't think he could say that. I mean, he's dropped the, like the subliminal hints in his TB12 Facebook show or whatever. Yeah. But I think if he just came out and flat out just One, said, "Hey, Belichick, I hate you. You're an asshole." Like, I don't think he could that play. That might not work out so well. Man. He's playing. I, he's doing it right now. I know, but because now he knows Jimmy's out of there. Jimmy yeah. was on the team. Yeah. What we know about Jimmy G so far, his body of work, which is, I don't think he's lost a game yet as a starter. Number one. <laughs> he, uh, from what I talked to by my uh, intel from the 49ers, this dude is like the real, real deal. Mm. Like. I think Belichick would be just gearing up to go with Jimmy Garoppolo to the point that if Tom held out and came back, I could see Belichick saying Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter. Oh, my gosh. 
Can I, you imagine? You don't play chicken with Bill Belichick, <laughs> Can man. you imagine? When he has the leverage. It's true, he's He doesn't have the leverage right now, so he yeah. needs John Brady. That's true. But I don't know, man. Uh, Here, well, here, here's a fun fact. I got real fun facts this time. All right. Not hot play. Fun, fun not facts. <laughs> fun not facts. Bill Belichick, they did like the genealogy thing. These are some of his distant relatives, like cousins, like oh direct. I can't wait to see blood. this. He is a cousin of former presidents Grover Cleveland and William Taft. He is. Is that the guy that invented Cleveland? <laughs> I think this guy Cleveland was named after. He is cousins to Warren Buffett and J.P. Morgan. Really? Yes. This, is, this, is, this isn't a joke. This is real stuff. He's cousin to Clint Eastwood, hmm. the actor. Mm-hmm. Astronaut Alan Shepard. My favorite. Radical abolitionist John Brown. You probably don't even know who that is. Hit, oh. the, hit, hit the Google. <laughs> Singer Harry Chapman. Hmm. And Hugh Hefner. Hmm. Those are all Bill Belichick. Interesting. Distant Dis- cousins wow. through his, wow, his family lineage. Says a lot about him, let me tell you. Yeah. All those people <laughs> together make Bill Belichick. Make who he is today. I would have guessed those. The influences on his life are <laughs> staggering. Well, I think we've talked about the Patriots enough. Let's get into the... Uh, Great Tomahawk Q&A, which is always everyone's favorite. Oh, yeah. We'll get to the top 100 players next week. Yeah, we just don't have enough time. Per usual. You can tweet us using the hashtag Tomahawk, or you can tweet at at TomahawkNFD. Or go to our Reddit. Self-promotion. He is not a humble co-host. Not a humble co-host. NFD. (laughs) Tweet at TomahawkNFD. And it doesn't even have to be questions. It can be statements, as we've seen in the past. And we're going to start off with a couple statements that came from our Reddit page from Swift Strike 4. Can I just say statements are my favorite? Because usually they're ha- hating on me and you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's it was so funny. I've seen some NFD hate for yeah, once. Somehow they never make yeah, it on right? the show. Funny how that works. I've never seen any NFD hate. Oh, okay. okay, go okay. ahead. No NFD hate. Looks like I know what I'm pulling up next show. Go ahead. First statement. I can't tell if Joe intentionally drafts terrible teams or if Hawk is really good at drafting. Man. And also a statement from the same person again. So he took the time to do it twice on our Reddit page. Again, not really a question, just a suggestion. You guys should really restructure the draft so Joe makes all five picks first, and then Hawk can make his pick. Joe needs all the help he can get because his drafts are simply terrible. Oh, man. Thanks, Mom. What was that Twitter handle again? <laughs> Mama at, Hawk. At Mama Hawk. Mama Hawk. Two, yeah. One six one six. Andrew's been spending a lot of time. The reason he really doesn't have any time in his life, it's not this ESPN and all this broadcasting. It's because he's doing the Kevin Durant. He's got like Twitter 30 account. burner accounts that he just hates on me and NFD all day on social media. I got to keep them equal. <laughs> this one comes from DJ Mitchell 94 Love the podcast, guys. Still have yet to hear a mention of what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing in hockey. Would love to hear your take on this historic Stanley Cup final. I was going to say earlier, after we finished the Cavs, I was going to say, why don't we ever talk about hockey and what's going on? Now, I'm not a hockey fan. I'm, I like hockey. I do that hockey. <laughs> I like the hockey. Um, yeah. I feel hockey like we probably should. We're in the Stanley Cup, so we probably should talk about it. We'll figure out what's going on, and we'll do it next week. Thanks, DJ. <laughs> 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 We're going to get caught up here. <laughs> this next one comes from M Fields 4. How many grapes can you fit up your nose at one time? Wow. I don't know what's worse, the comment or the fact that Dan chose that one <laughs> to read in the show. We must not have had a lot of questions this week. Can you fit any grapes up your nose? I could probably fit one, one a nostril. So two? Yeah, two total. I don't think I can fit any. Anything they would have to be really dangerous. small. 
They'd have to be really small grapes to fit up my nose. Man, this show is this off season is taking a turn. <laughs> We're running out of topics. Whoa! Here. All right, the next one comes from Justin Ball. Best way to pass time while driving from Las Vegas to Cleveland: listening to the Tomahawk Show. Mm. Thanks, Joe NFD and Hawk, for making the drive tolerable. You inspired a few drafts, all in which Gerard two one six lost. Question for you guys: What is the longest road trip you have ever taken? Ah, longest road trip. I drove with my family from. Pennsylvania, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, to Mobile, Alabama. I've also driven from Cleveland to Tampa, Florida. That's like recent. It's like 18 hours or so? Yeah, about 17 and a half. Those are my two longest. So Joe I would say that's about, more drivers. That's about the a- average there. <laughs> yeah. So actually, when I was, I don't know, one year old, my parents took me on I'm one sure of my you dad's. Like it was yesterday. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. My mom was pregnant with me, and I was told we drove. <laughs> so I was one year old, and my my dad had like a business meeting in like New Mexico. We were living in Milwaukee at the time, and so we flew there, and then I didn't get back on an airplane until I was like a senior or junior in high school being recruited to play college football. And I think I flew to Nebraska with my dad or something. And it was really cool. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like this flying <laughs> stuff is really luxurious. Back in the day, they had Midwest Airlines, which was supposedly all like first class seats. Now they weren't actually all first class, but they were actually all really nice seats in the airplane. And from Milwaukee, you could fly all over the country. It was great. But that uh, airline went bankrupt, I think. So, they unfortunately, usually, they usually do. So, anyways, my long-winded story is: when we were kids, if we were going to go anywhere, we were going to get in the the old school 1992 Chevy conversion uh, van, and we'd drive there, right? So, uh, we couldn't afford plane tickets or anything like that. But when I was, I think, in middle school, my family, my aunt, and my uncle, my grandma, were going to take like a ski trip out in Utah because my my parents we we like to snow ski. You know, uh-huh. when we when we were growing up, so we drove from Milwaukee to like Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, which was I think thirty some hours in in the, in the conversion van with like nine family members. <laughs> Cold cuts. It was it was brutal. Let me tell you, we had one of those old school TVs where you could put like a VHS in and then it plugged into like your cigarette lighter, yeah. but it didn't have enough juice to get a lot of volume because a cigarette lighter is only like. 110 amps or whatever it is it's not like a regular outlet uh so we could watch our vhs's but we couldn't turn it up enough to hear it so all (laughs) we could do is watch it on this little like eight inch tv that was like 200 pounds that That we stuck uh (laughs) in the van just so people had some entertainment so that was my longest trip i actually drove an rv 10 hours recently i took the fam to espn like i had to go like do a bunch of stuff and like i said i do so much traveling i want to spend some time so i rented an rv Threw everyone in an RV and I drove to ESPN, did my thing, drove back. Kids loved it. Now I'm in. Now I'm shopping for RVs. Are you really? I am. It'd be great to get an RV sponsor because I'd love to get an RV because yeah. I'm, I'm having my fourth. We kid. want everything free. <laughs> yeah. Anything we want. Anybody got any million dollar RVs they could just give to the Tomahawk Show? We'll, we'll put your logo on the side. We yeah. promise. Put I'll tat it on my forehead. <laughs> yeah. The right RV. Yeah, but now I'm gonna have four kids this summer, God, and there's just no chance we can freaking fly anywhere ever again. No. It's impossible. Trust me. Three is already impossible. It'll cost you thirty thousand dollars every time. Well, not only cost, but like. 
brain cells. Like yeah. I feel like half my brain is dead from exhaustion yeah. after you fly with kids. So we're sure after number four comes no more flying. We're just not doing it. So everywhere we're gonna go, it's either a car ride or we ain't going. Or you're going by yourself. Oh, I'm going by myself. Hey, get kids. Here's some <laughs> crackers and some Doritos and Mountain Dew. We'll see you in a week. Work. Here's some money for pizza. You can order Domino's or something. <laughs> How but, old were you when you took your first flight in FD? Uh, the first one I can remember, I was probably about seven or eight. We flew down to Disney World. Yeah. I've never been to Disney World. Is that bad? Because I actually work for Disney now. And you have three kids. And have three Free kids. trip. But I want them to, like, I could take my kids to Disney. But I, I spent my entire childhood like, man, I want to go to Disney. I want to go to Disney. Like, one day I'll be able to go to Disney. And then I didn't, right? So my philosophy is I don't want to take my kids until they appreciate it. So they, they beg me constantly to go to Disney. And I want to keep building up the anticipation so that when I take them, it's a big deal. Otherwise, they won't realize how big of a deal. They, they don't realize that not every kid gets to go to Disneyland or Disney World. So I'm trying to build up that anticipation so when I take them, they're like, Dad, you're the best dad ever in the world, and I can't believe you did this for us. Are you going to rent the RV and drive down there? No, so what are they going to have to do to prove that they appreciate it enough? Now, that's my question. Like, yeah. you have to mow the lawn a hundred times or, like, clean your dirty underwear like right. a thousand times. Like, what is that symbol of their appreciation I, that they can show you? Because what, your kids are seven and three? Yeah, six and three. Okay. Yeah, six and three. I think you just keep dangling it. I mean, I think just time. It's time. Over it's time, time, you just want it more and more and more. It's not like Disneyland is It's not going to get any less awesome. It's been... It's been dope since I was five. So, <laughs> you know, like, they're are, still going to want it no matter what, whether they, I dangle something or not. Are they going to give up on it at some point, though? Like, oh, dad will so. never take us, so we're just not going to care about it anymore. I don't think so, because I still want to go, and I'm 32. Yeah. Are you the Bill Belichick of parenting? I am. I, <laughs> no wonder I, you're always backing the Patriot them up. Patriot School of Parenting. Uh, jerk. I just so, the finish line. it's funny that you said the appreciation thing. It reminds me of a story when my daughter, my oldest, was like one and a half we were at the pro bowl and up until that point in her life maybe she was two but up until that point in my life my wife was like dead set against her eating ice cream she's uh-huh. like kids they don't even know what ice cream is she can't have any of the ice cream you know first child they're eating you know broccoli and everything every meal they're eating great meals uh no sugar the whole deal and her thing was she's not going to be able to have ice cream until she's old enough to appreciate it and i'm like how can she appreciate something she doesn't even know what it is unless you give it to her first then she'll appreciate it and it was funny because when your grandparents they can get away with everything right like if i would have just taken my oldest and taken her to the ice cream stand and getting her ice cream i would have been grounded for years i'd still be grounded but since my wife's dad so her my daughter's grandfather took her when we were in Hawaii to the ice cream stand one morning and my wife didn't know about it and gave her ice cream. And my my daughter's been addicted to ice cream ever since. <laughs> oh, I love it. She's probably doing an ice cream flavor draft at some point in the future. That's oh, a good point. That is a good draft. All right, any more questions? I got one last statement here. Oh, more statements. Dog Pound Ireland. I guess it is a question. NFD, can you get the boys on point for this? Tomaflock is a group. Tomaflockian is singular. Tomaflockians is plural. I can't take Hawk or Joe saying Tomaflox again. I'm, you just confused me. <laughs> yeah, I'm lost. I don't even know what we're talking about. I don't have a, so a degree is, of higher Tomaflox education. Tomaflox is the whole group. Okay, so the a Tomaflox. singular Tomahawk fan is a Tomahawkian. So when would you ever use the Tomaflockians? 
<laughs> when you're talking about one <laughs> fan, I guess. So what, what was the third one? He just doesn't like when you say Tomaflox. That's, okay, that's, but he said that's Dog Pound Ireland's Flock is a group. A Tomaflockian is singular. What was the plural one? Tomaflockians. So that's talking about multiple Tomaflockians, but not multiple people. But, they, the whole but not the whole group. Yeah, members. Yeah. Well, what happens if there's subcategories of Tomaflocks? So, like, there's a Tomaflock in the United States. There's a Tomaflock in Ireland. So, when you're talking about multiple groups of Tomaflockians, <laughs> yeah. it would be the the Tomaflocks. Tell them to go go flock themselves. <laughs> All right. How about that? <laughs> I, I got an interesting question since, uh, since Dan since, can't find any more was fucking questions. All he can find is <laughs> statements about how we suck. I have an interesting <laughs> question since that was a perfect ending to the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's continue. Yeah. So here's, here's a great question. Do you guys know what a group of turkeys is called? This no. Is Wisconsin trivia. <laughs> In my inner city neighborhood. What do we get? Tune in next time to this Tomahawk <laughs> show to find out what you call a group of turkeys in the proper nomenclature. That cliffhanger is going to have everybody on the edge of their seat for a whole other week. We're going to bring hundred thousand new new listeners in because people can't wait to find out the answer. And speaking of next week, we will be at the Tribe Game on June fifth. Yes, we'll have more details of what we're going to do exactly. But go to Indians.com, buy your ticket, meet us at the Indians game June fifth. Yes, and as always, listen, subscribe. Rate the show five stars. That does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. We had a lot of fun today. Um, actually being back together in studio, I think, it gets the chemistry going going nice. Um, what do we got next, Dan? Joe Hawk yourself. Damn right you do.